from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Friends, let us join our voices in the call to worship as we prepare our hearts for God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all and also with you. The God of welcome and radical hospitality bids us to enter God's presence. We come in confidence knowing that God is here and all are welcome. Come, let us worship our God. Please with, turn with me to your Pew Bibles, page 8 in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. Listen to God's Word. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, and those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, which can be found on page 151 in the New Testament of your Pew Bibles. Here again, God's word. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Lord, break open your word afresh to us so that we would be different people than those who came into this sacred space uh, this morning, even uh, to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, in the 1970s and the 1980s, the word rad was used to describe something really cool. Like, that Tony Hawk skateboard is so rad. Or like, that LA Gear sweatshirt is so rad. Or that Vanilla Ice concert was so rad. Uh, Rad, of course, was short for the word radical. UrbanDictionary.com, which is prone to make fun of pretty much every popular saying from my childhood, uh, defines radical like this. I quote, a word used by people over the age of 30 in an attempt to sound cool, usually resulting in the opposite. Well, today we're introduced to our uh, fourth value in our long-range strategic plan, radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. The word radical, depending on your context, can mean uh, several different things. For a child of the 1980s, we may be thinking of this two-word value, uh, this radical hospitality to describe a really awesome way of being hospitable, a really cool way of being hospitable. For others who've been shaped by the way it is commonly used today, the word radical has more of a negative connotation, right? We, we put radical in front of the name for religious groups. We put radical in front of the name of, uh, of somebody who has an ideology that, that, that far outpaces or doesn't quite fit the status quo. That person was radicalized by this person or that group or this Worldview, especially in religious contexts, many of us do not want to be associated with this, this notion of radical. Not many people want to be called radical Christians, right? Because in this form, when we're thinking about this, this word radicals is attached to, to, to different people in political and religious spheres. We're thinking of, of the uncivil, right? We're thinking of the violent. We're thinking of the unstable. We're thinking of the extreme, the ideologically driven person or group who seeks to have a subversive impact on the status quo in a negative way. Radical. For some of us, we come in thinking that word is negative. There is a positive way that it has been used across uh, the English language. We, we use it sometimes to define the great heroes of particular movements throughout history. Heroes who have reformed the status quo. The colonists, for example, were radicals. They were thought to be radicals. They considered themselves radicals who inaugurated and won a revolution for independence from Great Britain. We may also think more in the lines of sort of our faith traditions. We may think of radicals like Martin Luther and John Calvin. We may call them reformers, but, but they were really radicals. They were addressing the status quo, and, and they were trying to introduce something that was better, that was more of the, at the heart of, of who they were trying to be as a church. And, and when we think of this in, in these terms, radicals for the good, we think about people who have come to, to challenge the status quo so that more good could happen and more people could be included and more liberty and more freedom uh, could take place. The etymology of the word radical comes from 14th century medieval uh, philosophy. It comes from the Latin word radicalis, radicalis, which means to have roots. It's where we get the word radish, to have roots. 
In this sense, to be radical, looking at this original meaning, uh, says that we should think about it in terms of, of going back to the beginning. Radical means going back to the origins, back to the basics. In mathematics, the radical sign is used to indicate that a root is being taken, such as a square root. Radical is about roots. It's about roots. It's about origins. It's about beginnings. It's about the fundamentals. It's about the basics. And so as we think about this value, radical hospitality, I would invite us all to think of it in these terms. To think of it in terms of a rooted hospitality. A rooted hospitality. We may ask, well, rooted in what? And if you have already looked at our long-range plan, if you haven't, there's some in the pews that encourage you to take it home. It's also online. When we talk about this radical hospitality, we're thinking about it in such a way that roots our hospitality in the welcome we have received from God. That our hospitality is rooted in the hospitality of God, of what God has done for you and for me and for the whole world in bringing us close in reconciling and redeeming us through Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ. We encounter this Jesus once more in Matthew's Gospel, the ninth chapter. It's a common theme that we see appear throughout the Gospel narratives. It's particular to this text in the ninth chapter that was read for us this morning. It's a, it's a theme that we, that we see Jesus over and over and over again choosing to befriend, choosing to associate, choosing to affiliate, choosing to dine with the wrong kind of people. He begins to upend the status quo in his ministry. He has this habit of, of dining, associating, mingling, befriending the wrong kind, the outsiders, those who were boundaried by the religious elites of the day, those who, who good, faithful people would not associate themselves with. And so in this sense, he is radical, right? He's, he's radical in reforming the status quo from this positive direction. He's radical because he's trying to open up the good news of God for all people. He's trying to take on a religious system that preferred sacrifice to mercy. It's a system that clearly defined the boundaries and expectations of insiders and outsiders. So he's radical in that way, but he's also radical in the sense of getting to the root or to the heart or to the purpose of hospitality itself. That hospitality in the Christian tradition is more than just fulfilling cultural or societal norms and standards. That there is a deeper telos, a deeper meaning for why Jesus dines with tax collectors. There is a deeper reason why he welcomes those on the margins to follow him, to be in relationship with him. There is a reason he's present with sinners and saints alike. When I think about hospitality and our call to live this, this rooted hospitality and this radical hospitality, I have, a, I, I have a particular image, and you're going to need to stay with me for just about 30 seconds to get it, and then I think it'll make sense as we keep moving on. But I, but I have this image of a European elevator, okay? Elevators in Europe and, and outside the United States function like other elevators, but they're panels. You know, when you get in an elevator, the panel for the floors, they're different, right? Some of you know this. If you've traveled outside the U.S., they're different. So, so in Europe, uh, the panel would, would, would have, a, 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 instead of a, a G for ground level, it would use a zero, right? 
as the ground level. Ground level, ground level is the zero level, is the zero floor. And, and then below the floor where we use B for basement, right? Where you see a B for basement, they use a negative number, negative one. So it goes negative one or negative two, depending how low the building goes into the ground. And then it begins the ground floor at zero, then one and two and so on and so on. I would like to suggest to you that, that, that hospitality and the conversation we're having, we should think about it with four levels, four levels. But one of those levels, I'm intentional. I'm not just saying the basement level. I want to use negative one because I think it is a negative level. I think it's a level the church shouldn't be at. And that's where we'll start. This negative one level. It's a level that we'll call unwelcoming. This is a church. This is a people group. This is an individual who is flat out unwelcoming of others. Doesn't want new people to come to their church. Doesn't want new people to sit in their pews or in their sections. Doesn't want someone they don't know who's not a member to come and be a part of a Sunday school class or a fellowship hour or a mission trip. It has decided that, that we are best the way we are and we don't need anyone new. That's negative one. Unwelcome. Several years ago, I met a woman who wandered into a Christmas Eve service at a church I was serving at the time. And, and when, when I met her after this particular uh, worship gathering on that Christmas Eve, she told me that she hadn't darkened the door of, a, of any church in quite some time. You see, her, her marriage uh, had ended in heartbreak. Her faith was crushed when leaders from her church came to her. They were all men, and they, and they sat her down in her room. And they said, the Christian thing is to, to forgive your husband and to stay married to him, to, to welcome him back into your home, even though he has made a major mistake and has, has, has done this significant betrayal. That you're not being a good Christian and you're not being a good church member unless you forgive him and welcome him back. Until that Christmas Eve, that was the last day she was in church anywhere. Now it was Christmas Eve. Her kids were with her ex-husband. No church to call home. She wanders in as a stranger and is wondering, will I be welcome here? Will I be accepted? Her experience, unfortunately, is an experience that I think many people have had, maybe some of you have had with churches where you have felt unwelcome, where you know somebody who has felt unwelcome for this reason or that reason. I wish we didn't have to start the conversation on hospitality there, but that's a reality for so many people that have been burned by the church and by, have been burned by the so-called people of God. Negative one hospitality is unwelcome, an unwelcome spirit, an unwelcome disposition and has no place in the church. Really where we should be starting the conversation, we'd hope to start the conversation, is at level zero, right? On the ground floor. I call that floor welcome. We'll call it welcome for now. We've got unwelcome at negative one. We got welcome on the ground floor. For me, welcome means that outsiders, sojourners, strangers, and those looking for mercy are welcome to be in the space we occupy. 
They're welcome to come in, right? They're welcome to grab a cookie at fellowship hour. They're welcome to, to go to the Get Involved Fair and to see what opportunities they may feel a passion about. They're welcome to, to go to a Sunday school class. They're welcome to, uh, to be a part of things. Uh, this, there's a parallel here to this type of welcome, this type of opening shared space. It it's really goes back to creation, right? God creates the cosmos and welcomes us to occupy that space. That's the very base of it, that God creates the earth and says, inhabit it, occupy it, live here. But I'd like to suggest to you that welcome is different than hospitality. Welcome is different than hospitality. To get to hospitality, we have to move up one more floor to level one, because welcome invites people into our space, but hospitality invites people into our lives. There's a huge difference, right? Welcome is opening the church doors to the homeless and the poor and visitors and spiritual speakers, seekers rather, in this city and across the nation. Hospitality is sitting down and sharing a meal or a conversation or a prayer or a story with them. Welcome is making room for the other to sit in the pew or section our family has sat in for generations. You know exactly who I'm talking about. But hospitality is making room at our family dinner table when the other has no place to go. Welcome is seeing the other in our space. Hospitality is knowing the other in our space and letting them know us. There is still one floor to go. We have the unwelcome floor. We have the welcome floor. We have hospitality. But there's still one more, level two. And that is this notion of radical hospitality. It's a hospitality rooted in the hospitality of God that we have received from Jesus Christ. If welcome opens us up to the opportunity to invite someone to share our space, and hospitality opens us up to the opportunity to invite someone to share our lives, then radical hospitality, rooted hospitality, is the opportunity for us to invite people to share life with God to share life with God, right? I mean, that's why Jesus welcomes the sinner and saint alike. That's why he welcomes the tax collectors. That's why he calls people like Matthew. That's why he calls people like you and like me to follow him. Not because he wants to meet some societal expectation or cultural norm when it comes to hospitality, but because he wants us to know God. He wants us to be in relationship with God even as we're in relationship with one another. His radical hospitality was an invitation to those who were considered to be on the outs with God, those who thought, were thought to be unfavored by God so that they may actually know that God is for them too and that they can have life with God just like anybody else. Jesus breaks with these traditions and expectations so that all people, in Jesus' own words from the Gospel of John, may have a fullness of life life in abundance. You see, there, a, a people can choose, a group of people that would gather in a space like this, they can choose to be a negative one community. I don't think the, the moniker church belongs to that group, but people can choose that. We can be a, a community of faith 
that is welcoming to outsiders and sojourners and strangers and mercy seekers. We can be open to people and allow people to share our space, but that does not mean we're hospitable. Hospitality requires us to share our lives with one another, but there's even a further level that we must rise up to meet. I was going to work it in at some point in today's sermon. (laughs) That we have to rise up to meet. It's not good enough for us to be a church that is content with living at level zero. Well, we welcome people. They can come in and share our space. We have to press and we have to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, lifting us up to these other levels of hospitality, one in which we share our lives with one another and one where we're sharing an invitation for people to actually know God and to practice life with God. I want to close this morning by by finishing this story that that I started to tell you earlier about this woman who who came on Christmas Eve to this church I was serving. As I said, her, her marriage ended after her husband's betrayal. She refused to take him back. So not only did she lose her marriage, she lost her church. They shut her out. She was no longer welcome to be a part of that community because they thought she was doing the unchristian thing. She was asked to sacrifice her own feelings, her own sense of what was right for her and for her family. And so she would later tell me that on that day, not only did her relationship with that church end, but it felt in many ways like her faith had ended. Well, it was, it was Christmas Eve, right, as I said, and she had all this history with her, all this baggage, and, and the, the room is packed. There's a thousand people, and, there, and there's just this great hum, as you know, that takes place on Christmas Eve, this energy that we're ready to receive once again, God's greatest gift to us. And all of a sudden, you know, the orchestra starts to play, and the organ kicks in, and everybody's ready to sing, of course, O Come All Ye Faithful. And they stand, and this woman, this guest, she begins to sing. And the woman behind her was with her family, and she was a lifelong member of this particular church. And she could hear the beauty of the tone and the the loveliness of this woman's voice, and she was captivated by it. And and throughout the whole service, all she did was listen to her sing carol after carol, song after song. At the end of the service, after the benediction and the lights were extinguished, she, she tapped her on the shoulder, and she introduced herself to her, and she said, look, you have a beautiful voice. It it, it shouldn't occupy this space in the congregation. It should be up there in the choir loft. You need to sing. And she said, well, 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 ma'am, I'm not not a member of of, of the church. She said, it doesn't matter. You're welcome. I'm going to introduce you to the choir director right now. Come with me. And she begins to make this connection. And for the first time in a long time, this woman felt welcome. She felt affirmed. Then they started talking some more and and she started to share her story with this longtime member. And through that experience, they became friends. Through that experience, this woman who came as a guest that night eventually became a member of the church, and she began to sing in the choir. A year later to the night, Christmas Eve, I climbed into the pulpit, and I looked over at the choir, and there she was. And all this emotion about because I knew her story and, and, and about what she'd come through over this past year. And so I went up to her after the service was over, and I said, what a difference a year makes. And she says, you don't even know the half of it. She said, when I, when I went through that experience, when I went through my divorce, and when I lost my church, I, I hated myself. 
I hated the church, and I hated God. But because the space was open for me and because I was invited to participate and share my gifts, I've been renewed. I found a home, and I've discovered, direct quote, the good news once again. The good news that is for me and for the world. That God will never leave me nor forsake me. That God's unconditional love will always shadow me. That God's mercy will abide still. You see, that's what happens when a church moves from welcome to hospitality to radical hospitality because the reason we're welcoming, the reason we are hospitable is because we want to be people who are radically hospitable because ultimately the goal of our hospitality is to share a witness that God is love. And that God wants to be in relationship with each and every one of us. Friends, may we rise up and be that church. Not just a church that's open to sharing space. Not just even a church that's open to sharing our lives. But a church that is open to share the good news that life with God is possible and it's good. Amen. Ground floor is welcome, level one's hospitality, but we're striving for radical hospitality, not just where we're opening space or opening lives, but opening invitations for people to know that life with God is possible and life with God is good. May we be that kind of church this day and in the days ahead, and may Christ's peace, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ. May his peace abide now and forevermore. Amen.